Acts chapter 1 and verse 2. And we're going to read through verse 11. And to the day in which he was taken up, this is Jesus, after he died and he rose again. And the Bible says that through the Holy Ghost, someone say the Holy Ghost. Through the Holy Ghost, he is giving commandments, not opinions, not options, but commandments. To the apostles whom he has chosen, to whom he shows himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. I still believe in a God who can show himself alive with many infallible proofs. This day, in this hour, God can verify his existence to us. And he was with him for 40 days. This is leading up into the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, where we get the term Pentecostal. Pentecost is a Jewish feast, simply meaning 50, 50 days after Passover. And Jesus, here on the 43rd day after his resurrection, he is now with them for 40 days, speaking about the things concerning the kingdom of God. He's assembled together with them, and he commands them. Again, not an opinion, not an option. He commands them to not depart from Jerusalem. But this is not without purpose He says, wait for the promise. Someone say the promise. He says, there is a promise for you of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not too many days far from now. He promised that they would receive the Holy Ghost. He didn't say exactly how long, exactly when. He just said, you need to be waiting for it, praying for it, seeking for it until you receive the promise. So some people like to park it at water baptism, but it's not just water baptism or spirit baptisms. It is both baptisms. Jesus says you must be born of water and spirit. Someone say amen. And so they therefore were come together. They asked Jesus this question. Will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Israel was under captivity. They were under the jurisdiction, rule and reign of Rome. And they are saying, well, will you basically be the military leader and help us to overthrow the government and let us have our nation back? And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know those times or those seasons. God's got that all under control, under his own power. But you, someone say me, you will receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Realize that he's talking to people that have been closer to him than anyone else for the past three and a half years. And they have been used in miracles, signs, and wonders. They have seen the supernatural. They have seen the dead raised to life. They've seen blind eyes open. They have seen the supernatural. And yet Jesus says, you still have yet to receive power. Real power is somebody that's been filled with. With the Holy Ghost. He says you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So do not be offended if you ever hear for your first time. Someone making mention about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Evidenced of speaking in other tongues. Do not get offended by that. The apostles themselves were communicated by Jesus, whom they knew more than anyone else for three and a half years. They walked with him. They lived with him. They were homeless with him. And they performed the supernatural. And I don't doubt that you may have been used in the supernatural, but you still need to receive the Holy Ghost. It says, you will be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. 
And after Jesus had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. Jesus lifted up off the earth, ascending up into heaven. A cloud receives him out of their sight. They no longer see Jesus as they have saw him. They no longer see him in the physical. He is now the invisible. He is gone. He is out of sight. And there is a, the, the, the door hinge of faith is moving. And now they walk by faith and not by sight. You may not see Jesus, but you could still serve Jesus. You could still seek Jesus, though you may never see him. And the disciples had a word that we need to wait, even though he's out of sight. We have a promise that we will get filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says they're looking toward heaven, waiting for some sort of manifestation of Jesus But the two men stand by him, these two angels in white apparel, and they say, why are you standing here and staring into heaven? This Jesus that you're looking for that was taken from you and gone up into heaven, he will return just like you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is returning, and we must return to righteous living and reaching the lost. There's not much more else that really matters on this earth. Yes, there are obligations that we have. There's jobs we must work. There's bills we must pay. But there's nothing worth more important of your time than returning to righteous living and reaching the lost. I want to talk for just the next couple moments here about the power of the Holy Ghost. Would you pray with me that God's will would be done here today? Jesus, I love you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your presence. God, we have magnified and lifted up your name. And I pray, God, as you have begun to move upon our hearts, Jesus, that, Lord, we would be yielded and surrendered to your will. And what your will is, let it have its way in our lives. Someone say in Jesus' name, amen. The power of the Holy Ghost. If you have been here for an extended season, you hopefully maybe have caught a pattern that typically, unless the Holy Ghost says otherwise, I do feel prompted of the Holy Ghost to focus the first Sunday of each month upon the DNA, the focus, the perpetual logo, mission, whatever you want to call of the Jesus Church. And it's simply just a couple things. You know, we believe that this is where Jesus is exalted and lives are changed. We also believe this is a place of discipleship, disciple. We need to be one and then we need to make one. You need to be a disciple. You need to be teachable. When you lose a teachable spirit, you'll go into a contrary spirit. I want to have a teachable spirit. I have not yet arrived. If the apostle Paul never arrived, I sure have not arrived. I need to be taught. I need to learn. I need to grow and I need to strive to move forward in Jesus name. But after there's a point where you are a disciple, though you have not arrived knowing all experiencing all, but you have experienced enough. You got a handle enough to be able to help somebody that doesn't know that is wanting to learn that is wanting to grow. I would encourage you, if there is not a person that you are pouring into, you need to pour into someone. If you do not feel as if you are ready, then you hopefully have someone over you that is discipling you and is teaching you. And God willing, it's the same message that you hear in this church. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Corinthians, he says, there's, there's, there's many people out there, there's many speakers, there's many teachers, but you only have one father. 
He says you need to have one spiritual authority in your life. It's nice to listen to other people, but wherever you're planted, that's where you need to get your nutrients. That's where you need to grow and get some direction. I I listen to preaching outside of here. I listen to teaching outside of here. But this is the number one place where we get the doctrine and we get the truth and we get the experience of the Holy Ghost. Someone say amen. I mean, yes, teach yourselves when you're reading your own Bible, praying your own time. We all have a personal responsibility and obligation not to let pastor teach us everything. We need to spend time in the word ourselves and pastor will help you along the way to grow and to understand in certain things. I don't think I'm superior or better. It's just simply the call that God has placed on my life in this situation. Someone say amen. I'm just a human being just like you. I have access to the same book you have. I have access to the same God you have. We can grow together. Someone say praise the Lord. But a lot of times what I like to focus on on the first Sunday of a month is this theme that the Lord has spoken into our spirits. And that is to break the cycle of dysfunction. We had the two banners up for a long time. They'll probably go back up soon again. But we've just been doing some cleanup and some remodeling. But it is still to break the cycle of dysfunction. There is an ongoing pattern in humanity of falling into sin. And then when the next generation comes, they continue the pattern of that sin. And it is the will of God for this church to break that cycle of dysfunction. To equip people to live healthy, holy functional lives. I believe God is able to do that. Not only is he able, God wants to do that. God has all power, but he is also willing that nobody would perish, but for all to come to repent. Does anybody believe Jesus wants to see every soul saved? I believe that with all of my heart. I know that not every soul is going to be saved because Jesus himself stated that broad and wide is the way to destruction and many are on it. And straight and narrow is the way to salvation and few are on it. But the message is for all. However, many want to come can come. Anyone that does not get on that path, it is a sad path that they are going down. But it is the job and the mission of the church, the disciples in this room, to Find somebody and make a disciple and help correct the course of action to get them on the right path. Is anyone thankful for salvation? Are you thankful that Jesus forgave you? Are you thankful that he washed your sins away? If you can remember what Jesus did for you, where you were, where you are, and where you're now headed, when can we start thinking about those who have yet to experience the joy of the Lord that is our strength? I want somebody that has never tasted and seen that God is good to come to the revelation. God takes better than any alcohol. God takes better than any source of drug. God takes better than this world has to offer but we have to be the ones to let them know about it and we are the ones whether you are the first person in your family that has received the truth whether you're the second the third the fourth fifth generation wherever you find yourself 
You have been given an unfeigned faith. Second Timothy one five that unfeigned faith talks about there is a purity to it. God gives us this faith for a life of purity. It's a pure faith to live a pure life. And it is in you. You're here today. You've been baptized in Jesus name. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You've been given an unfeigned faith. Paul is speaking to what people call his son in the gospel, Timothy, who is considered to be a young man that Paul is mentoring and pouring into. Paul, the disciple, making a disciple, repeating the process. And he speaks to him about the unfeigned faith that is in him. And here's what he notes about Timothy's faith. It first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois. She's the first one that stepped into this truth. Not only your grandmother Lois, but your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that it is in you also. He begins to make notation that, look, before your grandma, before Lois, you guys were in that cycle of dysfunction. But the moment grandma Lois got into the faith, once that pure faith got inside of her, it began to go now into your mother Eunice. And it did not stop there for her. It began to pour into you. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost that you received, the baptism that you have received is not designed to stop in you. It's not designed to stop in your generation. God wants it to go into your children. And God wants that same faith to be poured into their children. It is the will of God that the cycle of dysfunction forever be broken. I don't know why we can only speculate why he does not name any father figures. If the conclusion would be assumed that grandpa never got into it and father never got into it. What a sad situation to hear. And I made mention is of this in the morning Bible study here today is that it's so sad to typically see the women rise to the occasion and lead home spiritually. That is not the will of God. That is not that is not sexism. That is not belittling women for there are powerful, mighty prophetesses in the Holy Ghost in the Bible. But God wants to see men lead spiritually. God wants to see men step up. I would to God would I have read the scripture and said that unfeigned faith was in your grandpa Sam and in your grandma Lois. It was in your father Ted and in your mother Eunice. Whatever the name may be. It is the will of God for the husband and the wife to be equally yoked going the same direction in God. If you are here and you are a father, you are a husband and you are married, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would take that responsibility upon you. It's a little more work. I understand it because we're not naturally wired that way. It's why we read in the book of Timothy about, you know, there's the concept women need to adorn themselves in modern apparel, in modest apparel and shamefacedness and sobriety. Then he shifts and he says, men, you need to learn to lift up holy hands. You need to pray lifting that way without wrath and doubting men and women each have their struggle women struggle with the appearance before men men struggle with the appearance before God but we have to not use that as an excuse and say I'm going to be a man and I will appear before God for real men appear before God 
Everyone was loud and excited until I started talking about this. Why did the guys all get quiet all of a sudden? Because it's a real problem. It's a real problem. I'm not saying you got to be the same personality and expression type as me. That's not the point at all. The point is we got to know how to appear before God. And we've got to lead the home. It would be a sad thing if my children lived their whole life and never saw their father read the Bible. It would be a sad thing if my children never heard me audibly read the Bible to them. It would be a sad thing if my children never see me ever pray or hear me pray. I want to lead by example. For if I want the faith in me to be in them, they've got to be around someone that displays that faith. I don't, I just don't think it takes all that. I think you're just kind of just pushing a point and that's just not my personality. Okay. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Is that not what the Bible says? Is that what James said, the Lord's brother? He said, look, you could talk about how close you are to God, how much you appear before God all you want. And you can pretend to be spiritual all you want. But show me your faith without your works. You can't do it. Can't do it. He says, I'll show you my faith by my works. And so my children, if they want to ever get what I got, I got to show them my faith. I got to put some flesh on my faith. I got, I got to let them see what my faith manifest looks like. I want them to feel the hand of a father around their shoulder, not in fear of being abused or beat, but comfort in praying and knowing what the voice of prayer sounds like. We have an obligation to break the cycle of dysfunction. Look, you and I, we can sit and we can cross our arms and our legs and just point at everything it wrong in this world and we could do that for the rest of eternity until eternity comes there's so much wrong around us but what are we doing to counter that in our home for our children to see what it's going to take to disrupt and break a cycle of dysfunction can we lift our hands can we lift our voices for just a moment god i pray that you would help us to break the cycle of dysfunction. I pray, God, that you would raise up strong, powerful men in this house, Lord, to be prayer warriors, to be worshipers. In the name of Jesus. Ah, ha, 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 hallelujah. Ah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So he says in verse 6, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. He says, you saw it in grandma, you saw it in mom, but you better start stirring up that thing that is inside of you. That Holy Ghost gift that you have inside of you. Do not let it sit dormant. Do not let it just stagnant. Do not let it go stale. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. You remember when I put my hand on you and I prayed for you and you were baptized in the Holy Ghost. You remember that moment? Now you got to stir that moment moment. You got to keep it active and alive. You can't just point back and say, well, when I was a kid, I experienced that. Or when I was a teenager or about 10 years ago, yeah, I was baptized. Yeah, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't just look back to that moment. Let there be a current stirring inside of you on a daily basis. Because God, he doesn't want us to give into a spirit of fear. He wants that gift that's inside of us to be stirred so we can see that we have power, we have love, and we have a sound mind. But if it's not stirring, there's not a loving, there's not a peace, and there's not a power. It's for those who stir that up so all the ingredients we stir would go into our children. It's, it's, it's not enough for me just to have my experience. I want to help my children have that experience. I want it to be a stirred atmosphere in my home. I want it to be a stirred atmosphere.
atmosphere in church. When I come to the house of God, I want to display to my children. I want to display to my spouse what a worshiper looks like and what a praise looks like and what prayer looks like and what repentance looks like. Or we can just sit and complain about the things we don't like in our world and talk about all the problems of politics and the problems, the struggles are real. But see, God wants us to break that cycle of dysfunction. We got to pick up the torch. We got to take on that personal responsibility. Let me just throw this little piece of advice out there. Look, you may not be that husband right now. You may not be that father right now. You may not be that wife or that spouse right now. But if you're married to the one that is not the person that needs to be, and you are that person, don't beat them over the head. Don't belittle them. Don't make them feel like a pile. Don't make them feel like they're a piece of garbage that has no purpose in life. That's not going to produce them to be a worshiper. That's not going to make them be a prayer warrior. You got to love them into it. And you got to lead by example yourself the best way you can. And by the grace of God, it's going to be contagious. By the grace of God, it's going to get on them. Someone say amen. Hey, Acts chapter 10, verse 34. God can do this in your family. Hi, there's so many powerful testimonies in this room of people that came off of meth, people that came off of marijuana, people that came out of jail, out of prison. There's so many stories in this room of people that were abused, people that were taken advantage of, people that were raped. All types of stories are sitting in this room right now, this very moment. That is the power of the Holy Ghost and the power that you have experienced. God wants that power to go into your family so your testimony doesn't have to be their testimony their testimony is look what the Lord kept me from look what the Lord shielded from me look how the Lord protected me look how the Lord God can do it and he wants to do it Acts 10 34 Peter opens his mouth and says of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons that means God can do it for you. He can do it for you. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what rank of financial income that you have. God is no respecter of persons. He loves you. He loves you. And the power of the Holy Ghost is for you. And every nation that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. If you would just get your head focused on God, you can be accepted of God. And you can now have the righteousness of God work inside of you you the word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ he is Lord of all that word I say ye know which was published throughout all Judea it began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached he's talking about that water baptism then he starts talking about the spirit baptism he says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost someone say the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost and with power This Holy Ghost is power. The display of emotion is not just confined and reduced to emotion. I I have got a hold of something. And the very thing that I got a hold of, it is a live wire. Once I got a hold of what God was doing, it got that charge has flown and just, just carried in my life. I love the power of the Holy Ghost. There is nothing like it. Here is what the power of the Holy Ghost does. 
It's not to make you just feel like some incredible Hulk, some kind of feeling like that. But see, the power of the Holy Ghost does this. It helps you to go about doing good. You may have went about doing bad and doing everything contrary to Christianity, contrary to morality, but the power of the Holy Ghost that was upon Jesus anointed him to go about doing good. See, some people, all they could see was the flesh, but it was the Holy Ghost. It was the Spirit of God that was moving upon the man Christ Jesus that was causing the moving of the miraculous and the supernatural to do good. If you can't do good right now when you're struggling to do good and you are entertained by that which is bad, I'm telling you the Holy Ghost has power to help you do good. You can say, well, my struggle, it's, it's so real. I, I, I'm bound by this addiction. I am struggling emotionally right now. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can make it. I just seem to be wired to do bad. That is our nature. We are born with a sinful nature, but there is another nature that God has filled you with. And you may be struggling with something bad right now, but if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost today, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Stir up the, it will help you to do good. It will help you to overcome. Uh, hallelujah. Can we lift our hands? Uh, oh, Holy Ghost, help us today. Holy Ghost, help us today. I pray, Jesus, you show yourself alive by many infallible proofs, God. Not by my might, not by my power, by your spirit, Jesus. Confirm the word that is preached today. Jesus, I ask that you would confirm the word that is preached today. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and say, in Jesus' name. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He healed all. You're not some category that God doesn't want to get involved in. He heals all. If you let the Holy Ghost come your way, if you let if you let that come in contact with your life, he can heal all that are oppressed of the devil. Oppressed means to exercise dominion against. If you have the devil leveraging his kingdom against you and he's exercising dominion against you, the Bible says Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to, that word healing means to cure and to make whole. He he doesn't just want to save you. He wants to cure you and make you complete and whole. I thank God for salvation. But if we're not careful, after someone is baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, we could just move on and they're still not cured or made whole. We've got to disciple that person so they can be cured and made whole. We've got because people have lived a life of dysfunction. They don't know what cure is. They don't know what whole living is. They don't know what a function functional family is so the church seems to have taken on a lot of other tasks that the apostles don't seem to take on because our society is so out of whack it's so messed up but jesus i can't do it i'm not i'm not some trained counselor with some sort of degree but i tell you what i do know the counselor 
I do know the everlasting father. I do know the prince of peace. And I can step aside somebody and I can begin to pray with them. And I can pray until God cures them. Until God makes them whole. Because that is the will of Jesus. If you're here right now and you have a battle of medication. You have a battle of addiction. You have a battle of anger. You have a battle of problem with your mouth. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. You battle unforgiveness. If you will just get into the presence of the Holy Ghost. If you don't have it, you can have the Holy Ghost today. But if you have the Holy Ghost and you're in a battle right now, don't die and don't quit. Stir up the gift. You have may, you may have been baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I thank God for it. But you need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. You remember what it felt like the first time you got the Holy Ghost? Do you remember that joy unspeakable? Man, if it was an amazing experience that you had two years ago, why not have it today? Why not have it this hour? You can be renewed in the joy of the Lord that can cure you and make you whole. Jesus wants to do it. Jesus wants to, I know we're battling giants. We're facing mega opposition. There's things that we are battling with that no other generation has battled with. There is such an onslaught of pornography addiction. There's such an onslaught of chemical dependency. There's all these things that are flooding our world right now. And the giant may seem impossible. But David, when he came, the Bible says he picked up those five smooth stones out of that riverbed. It only took one to to knock that giant down. It just takes one moment in this altar to knock the giant down. It just takes one moment with Jesus to knock the giant down. But see, see, our problem is after we knock the giant down, we keep going on and we just let the giant, giant just kind of take a nap around us. That giant will get back up into our home. That giant will get back up at the workplace. That giant will get back up in our lives. And David had five stones and we feel like we're running out of ammunition. Keep throwing a bunch of stones at that giant. The only reason why David used one is because he got over the giant and cut the head off the giant. Whatever giant giant you struggle with. Stop letting it take a nap on your property after God delivers you from it. Don't let it just kind of just stay dormant in your home because God knocked it down and now, well, I've been clean for, you know, five weeks. I've been good for six months. I've been good for a year. I thank God that he knocked down that giant, but don't let the giant take a nap in your home. Don't let that entertain in your home. Walk into that home and cut the head off of the source that is causing you your struggle. Cut the head off off the source that is causing you to fall back into the cycle of dysfunction. Oh, can we lift our hands? Hey, come on. You don't need five stones today. You don't need five stones today. In the name of Jesus, God delivers you once and it's enough. If you would just cut off the source in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I never figure out. Well, I couldn't break pornography. I was so bound. I was so twisted into it. I was so messed up. Crept into the beginning years of my marriage. I was just bound. And I, I couldn't figure out why. Because I kept throwing stone after stone after stone at that giant. But one day the light bulb came on. And God says, why don't you just remove the source? Why don't you cut off the source that's flowing into your life? And when I cut the head off that giant, you're looking at someone that has lived delivered and cleaned. It is the most powerful. 
powerful, fruitful, enjoyable life. I can lift up my hands without wrath, without condemnation, because I know in whom I have believed and he set me free and he can set you free. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to a spirit in this room right now. You, you, you hear the voice of that giant alcohol and that giant drug and that giant problem and temptation that you're struggling with. And you're trying to figure out why well, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I thought it was supposed to be said and done. I saw that giant go down and now I keep relapsing and I'm returning. As I taught this morning, whatever God removes, you've got to replace. If you don't replace what is removed, it will return. And so you got to put in the place of what was removed a thing of God and you got to close that door off and do not let that giant come back in Mm. it's quiet in church I'm just trying to pastor a little bit here because there's there's a number of folks here you're struggling you're battling and I'm not condemning you I'm not mocking you I'm not insulting you I'm not beating you over the head I'm trying to convey with passion the attitude of God that he has given you the rock he's given you the stone he's given you that stone that was rejected by the builders Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone he gave you that rock in the wilderness in which water flows from he gave you that rock and you came to the church and you prayed and you saw that rock fly into the opposition in your life and it came down but it seemed Seems to be resurrecting and coming back and you keep having prayer meeting after prayer meeting every three or four months every six months to a year you have that same rock knocked down that same giant but today we cut the head off of that giant in your life because that's the power of the holy ghost the holy ghost has the power to liberate you uh, can we lift our hands i'm just about done mm. Holy Ghost, we need you. We need the power of the Holy Ghost here. God, I can't do it, Lord. This is not human philosophy, God. Lord, I don't have a pill to give today. Lord, I don't have a five-step program to give today. Jesus, I present you, you and you crucified to the people that you died for. I pray the Holy Ghost do a work here in this house. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, break the cycle of dysfunction, God. I pray you equip people to live healthy, holy, functional lives. Lord, do what I cannot do and what only you can do. Hmm. Uh, someone saying Jesus name. Uh, the Holy Ghost is here. I really do believe today can be the last day that you had to come up against that same giant. You're tired of seeing Goliath. See, David never had to see Goliath again. He had struggles down the road. He had battles down the road. We're all going to have battles and struggles coming down the road because that's life. We live in the flesh. We live in a fallen world, but you don't have to fight the same giant the rest of your life. In the name of Jesus, Acts 5, 28. Just about done. Did we, the, uh, the, the religious teachers, the Pharisees, Sadducees here, they are basically lecturing the apostles after imprisoning them. They said, didn't we command you not to teach in this name? You have filled this city with your doctrine. And we intend to do so in Jesus' name. I intend to fill this city with this doctrine. Because there's no other doctrine. There's no other message. We have found the treasure in the field. We have found the pearl of great price. And he says, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They would not take responsibility for sin. And Peter, the other apostles answered, say, we ought to obey God rather than men. 
the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him, God, is exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. And this is what God can do for us. He gives us something called repentance. The opportunity to turn from whatever sin. And to give us forgiveness of those sins. If there's something inside of you that's tired of that giant, God's given you something called repentance and forgiveness. And you can have it today. He says, we're witnesses of these things. Is there a witness in this house? Can, can anyone testify of the mercy of Jesus? Can anyone testify that he sets you free? Can anyone testify that God has brought you a mighty long way? We have overcome him by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. I can witness to this fact today. But so also is the Holy Ghost. Someone say the Holy Ghost. As we stand together, God gives the Holy Ghost to them that will obey him. If you just make up in your mind, you know, I, I don't think I really liked what the preacher said today. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to obey it. Because, I mean, really, it just seemed like he just read the Bible. And it, say, it seems to say that the Bible is talking about this Holy Ghost that's powerful. And can liberate a life and transform that life. Instead of just getting mad because he's petting my fur the wrong direction. Maybe, maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll stir up this gift of the Holy Ghost. It's been since I was a teenager since I talked in tongues. It's been since I was, I was a young child since I had that Holy Ghost experience. What would happen if I stir that gift up today? I got the Holy Ghost one year ago, two years ago. I got it three months ago. I celebrate with you. But there's a, there's a giant today. And if you could stir up that gift, just think of stirring that gift kind of like Dave with his sling. Just winding up, stirring up that gift, and just launching it towards the direction of opposition that wants to exercise dominion over you. And watch him knock it down. But you'll have deja vu. Because you've been there before. You fought that giant before. You knocked that giant down before. But today, you could stand on that chest cavity of that giant. I pictured Goliath's chest probably about this high off the ground. He's a big dude. And David, as he's standing on him, Goliath's still taking a breath. Don't play the accordion. Take the head off that thing. Don't let him breathe and take a nap with you. Knock his head off. Whatever it is that you've been battling. You got, you got to struggle with alcohol? I wouldn't have alcohol in the home. You struggle with alcohol? I wouldn't work for a place that employs and gives alcohol. I'm just telling you common sense. I'm not mocking, insulting, and rubbing anyone's nose in it. I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. I'm not insulting. I'm just telling you. Just think about it. It is a real spirit. It is a real struggle. So why work around that struggle? Why be connected to that struggle? You can cut the head off today. And it's a, it's a scary, it's a scary step. 
But it's worth it. It's worth it. Liberty is worth it. Like, on all my devices, I have a filter on all my devices. And I can't stand that stupid filter. It literally lags the internet for me. It takes me all the way back to the 90s with dial-up. Oh, it makes me mad. But you know what? I don't have a giant. I have accountability. And I thank God for accountability. I thank God for anything I could put into my life that's been removed from my life that I could put in place as a offensive protection. You know, some people think, well, man, you, you, you preach too many fences and, and space from the actual cliff itself. And that's what the, the world and, you know, mainstream Christianity gets mad about. But when it came to, like, you know, CDC guidelines for a pandemic, like, they, 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 did, they weren't trying to hang out close to the fence. They went all the way over here. Wear one mask, two masks, three masks, four, five, you know, more and more. And then, you know, all, all your gloves and all everything you need. And you need to live in a hot air balloon with all ISOL pumping through you. All the space we've created between just for safety. Why do we put so much effort to protect this flesh, but we don't do it for the spirit? God, I'll put as much distance as I can so I do not get infected with that mortal disease called sin. God, I'll put as much distance from, I'll put on another mask. I'll put on another. I'm not talking about CDC. I'm talking about UPC. I'm talking about some guidelines. I'm talking about some spiritual things in our life saying, this is what I want to put in place as far as I can be from this world because I don't want that giant back in my life. Can we lift our hands right now? The Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is here. I'm not here condemning anybody. We're all human. We all struggle. You're looking at somebody that struggled. You're looking at somebody that fought some battles. So I don't think I'm better than you. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to let the Holy Spirit put conviction inside of you so you can realize, okay, there's something I need to work on. There's something I need to adjust. God, I pray right now that the power of the Holy Ghost would have its way in my life today. Let the power of the Holy Ghost have its way in me today. The Holy Ghost will knock down the giant. God, I pray, Lord, I will cut off the giant now. Lord, you have debilitated that giant momentarily. So right now, God, I want to remove it permanently, 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 permanently in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want anything flooding into my life, Lord, that is contrary to you. That's going to cause me to struggle. I don't want it, God. I want to live free. Oh, if you're here today and you just want the power of the Holy Ghost to do something in you, would you come? Would you come? If you need healing in your body, the power of the Holy Ghost can heal all that are oppressed. Heal all that are facing giants right now. Come on, if you just need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost, this altar's for you today. If you need the Holy Ghost to do a work in your life, right now is the time for you to come to this altar in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not by my might and not by my power, but by the Spirit of the living God. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would liberate every soul that is up against the giant by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, that unfeigned faith that you gave to us, Lord, is not meant to sit on a shelf as a memory. Lord, today, I stir up the gift. I stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost. I stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost. I stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost. Go ahead. Go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost. Go ahead and be renewed in the Holy Ghost. Ma, Hanaman, de Ondomaye, say.
Come on. Come on, let the Holy Ghost renew you right now. He'll knock that giant that got back up. He'll knock that giant down that got back up. But today, we take off the head of that giant in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.